Well, good morning. Hey, it's always fun to get to kind of change up and go from the musical portion of our corporate worship to the preaching side. A couple things that are, that are exciting about that is that I have for years ragged on all preachers that they, they go past the clock that's in the back. So there's a pretty good chance that I'm not going past that because I don't want to listen to it uh, going forward. Okay, so you'll, you'll be happy to know that we're going to be pretty close to that. But uh, excited about that. I'm still working on getting Scott to lead worship when I'm preaching next time. So if you want to pray that way, we, we can work towards that. I think it'd be pretty good, Matthew. So you need to consider that. So we are considering the four aspects of love. That's where we are in this series and uh, I'm, I'm excited about what God's going to teach us today. But as I was thinking about it, um, you know, love, it's funny, it has different definitions uh, from our worldly perspective and then from the biblical perspective. And, and being somebody that loves music, I just kind of started jotting down a few of the songs that just came immediately to my head when I think about what the world says about love. So see if these ring a bell to you. Back in 1975, Nazareth told us that love hurts, right? Foreigner wanted to know what love is right? The Judds told us that love can build a bridge. Bon Jovi said that you give love a bad name, so stop that, right? Had to get Bon Jovi in there somewhere. I heard a, I heard a woo over there. That's right. Randy Travis said he's going to, I'm going to love you forever and ever and ever and ever and forever and ever. Amen, right? And then even you think about it on the Christendom side of things, what we just sang this morning, we sang his love overcomes. His love never fails, we sang that his love can't be explained. And so you can tell there's, there's some different perspectives on what love means. And so that's what we're going to continue to talk about today is what the Bible tells us about love and how we are to live our lives. If you remember last week, um, we discussed the Apostle John and how he has written this book that we're going to be in. First John is where we're going to be. First John chapter 3, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But uh, we just discussed his dramatic conversion and that his discipleship pathway was one of one-on-one -on -one relationship with Jesus and apprenticeship with Jesus. And because of that, John went from someone who was kind of rough around the edges and a hard soul to being called the apostle of love. So it's amazing what God can do. He can transform us and change us. And that was evident in John's life. And salvation meant everything to John. And so he writes this book um, because he wants to make a contention for the faith. There was a lot of Gnosticism rising up, which said that Jesus could not have been both man and God at the same time because Gnosticism believes that flesh is always evil. And so John wanted to write and show that through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's possible for the leanings of our flesh to be taken away and that we can love the way that God wants us to. So last thing that Justin said last week is that our love should be so distinct that our world can't help but notice it. Our love should be so distinct that our world can't help but notice it. And so that means that it is selfless love. That's what we're going to be talking about. Selfless love stands out. It clearly separates those serving people by God's capacity to love from those who are choosing to love from their own limited capacity. And this most key distinction is only available through a life that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. It's the distinction of love, the Holy Spirit today. So I want you to look at 1 John 3, 16 to 24 is where we're going to be. I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll break it down and talk about a few things. 1 John 3, 16 to 24, it says this. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. 
we should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and we'll reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. Now this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way that we know he remains in us is from the spirit that he has given us. That last verse is our overarching theme today, the spirit that he has given us. We're going to see how the spirit, the Holy Spirit allows us to love selflessly. uh, And selfless love is godly love. So I want us to jump off. We're going to look back at verses 16 through 18 one more time. That's going to kind of lead us to our first point today. I want to read it one more time just so you get it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So the first thing I want us to see today is that selfless love is set apart by his spirit. Selfless love is set apart by his spirit. Now I think we would all, even from a distance, you would look at the story of Jesus and you would see that godly love is sacrificial love and it stood out even in his day. What he did for us on the cross was the most earth shattering moment in human history and it altered eternity. And it beckons our attention and our adoration. And at the end of the day, it beckons our acceptance, what he did on the cross. Because it was so powerful, it is the life-saving, life-changing power of Jesus Christ through his sacrifice on that cross. But not only was it that, it is also the example that we have to live by. And so when you think about the cross, you know that Jesus went there and he showed us love that we had never seen or imagined before. In fact, in John 13, verses 34 and 35, he says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's probably a familiar passage, but man, there's some tough stuff to deal with, I think, especially in the climate that we're in right now. It's so important for us to see that that passage says, As I have loved you, you must love one another. So how did Jesus love us? Was it conditional based on anything that we did for him? It wasn't. He loved us, gave his life. We didn't have to do anything, and we got the free gift of salvation. And that is how we have to choose to model our lives after what he did for us on the cross and how we interact with others. So that means some tough things, uh, according to that passage, that by this, by the way that we love, everyone's going to know that we're his disciples. So that means that we have to love people who struggle to do right. You ever have that, like, if you're wired like me at all, like, I kind of see the world black and white, all of it, and there's, there's a right and a wrong, a yes and a no, there's never any, gla- uh, any gray. That's just kind of how God wired me. And so when I've had people in my life that struggled to do what was right in my eyes, and 
I had to be honest with myself and say, man, it was hard for me to love them. The only way I could do that was through Jesus. We have to love people that are different than us. You know, we get, we're guilty of getting into our own paradigm. We think that the way that we see the world should be the way that everybody else sees the world, right? Well, the Bible tells us we got to love everyone, even those that are different. we got to love difficult people. Do y'all have difficult people in your life? Do you have difficult people you're sitting next to right now? <laughs> don't answer that. We, we don't have time to deal with all that today. Now, I'm, I'm going to step in it a little bit right here. We have to love people that think differently than us politically. Yep, I said it. We do. We have to love people that think different than us politically. And that is a biblical command, all right? It is that we love people, all right, where they are. Unconditional love. Now, can we do that on our own? Probably not, okay? We can't do that on our own. I'm not, I'm not making any policy statements or anything like that. I'm not making any endorsements of candidates. But I'm telling you that we, as the church, it says this world will know that we're his disciples if you love one another. So is that hard to swallow this week? Maybe it's hard to swallow from where you stand. Maybe it's not hard to swallow from where you stand. Here's the thing. I've looked back at my life, and I was telling Andy Dunning this morning, I looked back and I actually counted the years because I'm kind of nerdy like that. Half my life has been spent with Democratic president, and half my life has been spent with a Republican president. So I could make the argument up here that half of my life has been miserable, whichever side I live on, right? <laughs> I could make that argument. But here's the thing. That has nothing to do with what God's called me to do as a believer in him. So I'm going to challenge you today. All right? Uh, and this is, this is all the meddling I'm going to do in your business. But wherever you fall politically, whatever you think about what's happened, be first and foremost a member of the kingdom of God and live the way that he's asked you to live before you even start thinking about politics at all. All right? That's all I'm going to say about that. We have to choose to put ourselves in humble position and esteem others. Now, that's difficult for us. If you remember Philippians 2, 3 through 4, it says this, do nothing, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So it's God's plan to reveal himself to the world by the church's love for one another, our unity. So the challenge for us in this place is can we love one another Despite our differences, despite if you think I'm difficult or if I think you're difficult, can we love each other the way that God's called us to for the sake of other people seeing the truth and the power of Jesus Christ? That's what it's about. Unity is not possible where selfishness exists. The only way that we can get rid of our selfishness is to live a life that is being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. And when he is guiding and directing our lives, there's going to be clear evidence in our lives that that is happening. You know it as the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as you can tell by these verses, the Holy Spirit's the key indicator. That's the only way that we can live that way. And in fact, if we live that way, selfless love, if we live that way, it's probably going to be questioned by those that we are, are interacting with. Like, like when my kids are starting to butter me up and like, Daddy, do you need anything? Is there anything I can do for you, Daddy? I'm questioning that, okay? I, my immediate thought is not, oh, look at the little selfless love that they're giving me right here. That's not what I'm thinking. All right, I'm thinking, 
there's probably something they want. So I'm, I'm questioning that. The, the same is true for us. If we live the way God's called us to, then selfless love is going to look a little different. And there may be some skepticism that come from those in our world. It might be questioned. But when it, but when it is proven and trustworthy and it's sincere and it's godly, then it is welcomed and embraced by our world. So you've got the fruit of the Spirit. But then Paul also tells us in Galatians what the fruit of the flesh is. And he says in Galatians 5, 17 to 19, listen to this. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's an important two lists that we just read. The fruit of the Spirit are what comes from our flesh. So my challenge to all of us is we got to ask the question, what does our life look more like? Which one of those two lists? They're both found in Galatians 5 if you want to go back and look at it. Which, which way does our life look? Which one are we living out? If we're honest with ourselves, we see a clear picture painted in these verses and we realize that selfishness is how we are wired. And the only way that that can change is through the Holy Spirit. And then we can live a life of selflessness. The last part of verse um, of 18 there in 1 John 3, I think it's, it's super important when we're talking about being set apart by His Spirit. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So not just what you say, but what you do. And in preparation for this uh, message this week, um, I was really meditating on verse 18, and I was driving my youngest two children, uh, London and Levi, who are not in this room right now. I told them I was going to tell them this, this story, but um, I was driving them, and I was like, well, I'm going I'm to kind of, I'm going to throw this out there and see what happens. And so I looked, I looked in the rearview mirror, and I said, hey, I want to ask you guys a question. So our family in general, we say, I love you all the time. I mean, that's just like, it's probably too much. Am I right? Am I lying? No, I'm not lying. Lily, you shook your head. Yes, you meant no, right? I said, we're going to talk in a minute. Um, but uh, we say, I love you all the time. But I thought, I'm going to ask London and Levi what they think. And I said, so, all right, guys, I tell you I love you all the time. But do you know, even without me saying it, do you know that I love you? And Levi, without missing a beat, he's like, yeah. And I said, London, she goes, yeah, but you're kind of strict. And so I grounded her. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, now, but I laughed. We laughed. I was like, well, that, that's funny. She's picking up some things that go beyond what I say. So is it important for me to say that I love you to my kids? Yes, it absolutely is. Is it just as important, if not more important, that they know that I love them by what I do? Yes, it is. Well, the same is true for us when we're following Jesus. So that's the idea that John is communicating here. Words matter, but love must be present in actions as well. So we're set apart by his spirit. Second thing I want us to see comes from verses 19 to 21. Let's read those again. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth, and we will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. 
Second thing I want us to see is that selfless love welcomes the searching by the Holy Spirit. Selfish love welcomes the searching by His Spirit. I think one of the hardest things that we'll ever do uh, just on a personal level is to look in the mirror and be honest with ourselves about what's really going on inside our heart and our mind. And then I think another step that's even harder than that is to do that, but then go, okay, Holy Spirit, would you look inside of me and show me the things that I don't see? The psalmist said in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. As his servants and his children, those who follow him with all of our lives, who've surrendered our lives to him, we have to give license to God to have his way in our hearts. We've got to realize that, like Mark 2 tells us, that nothing is hidden from him, and we have to accept that we are selfish by nature, and thus we're prone to kind of walk away from the things that God calls us to. So the answer to that is to ask him to search us and reveal selfishness within us that we didn't even realize was there. Then we can repent of it and he will remove it. Have you ever had this happen? Have you ever had something that was maybe a traumatic or not a fun experience for you to deal with? And you walk through it, you thought you dealt with it, and then maybe three or four or five, ten years later, you walk into an experience or somebody says something, and all of a sudden those same emotions that you thought you dealt with come pouring out. Well, that's kind of what we're talking about. This is not a one-time, Holy Spirit, search me, see if there's anything in there. We'll fix it one time. It's a daily, it's a continual searching of our hearts and minds so that we can be changed. For me, uh, just a little bit of transparency here. When I looked back over my career as a pastor in this church, uh, there was a period of time 15, 16 years ago where there's some ugliness that happened in our church um, and some things that weren't very godly. And... The result of that for me was that I got very defensive. Um, I got, uh, I responded out of anger sometimes. Um, I built walls to where I couldn't really um, have relationships with people. And so I, once that was over and God began to heal and bring us to the point where we are now, I kind of started to think, well, man, I've dealt with all that stuff. Nothing, nothing to worry about. But then every so often something would happen and I'd be reminded, man, I've got some calluses in my heart that have built up from some old hurts and old wounds. And so what I have to do, even to this day, is say, Spirit, would you search me? Would you reveal in my heart areas where I'm reacting out of my flesh, where I'm reacting out of anger, or where I've built up a wall and won't even engage in conversation with people, where I am uh, afraid of any conflict? Would you show me those things? So it's a continual process, and I don't want you to be afraid of it. It's, it's not fun to be searched and to, be, to have things revealed that are hard for us to deal with and go, man, I wish this wasn't part of who I am, but I've got to lay it down at the foot of Jesus. That's never a fun thing to do. But man, there's so much freedom in it when we choose to engage in that process. You see, we don't naturally love like him. We naturally bear the fruit of the flesh, which we listed a second ago in Galatians 5. And if we are choosing to feed our flesh and just continually do what we want to do, then there's no way that we can love the way that God's called us to. So the answer is we have to choose to ask the Holy Spirit to search us. And then we got to listen to what he says and confess that. The great news here from John is that God is greater than our sin and our past hurts. He forgives us and he covers us completely. He can heal us completely and he casts Our sin and selfishness, as far as the East is from the West, and once we admit it to Him, uh, He 
just cleanses us. And there's a freedom that we find that we couldn't find on our own. So I want to ask you the, the, the question, are you regularly asking the Holy Spirit to search you, to search inside and see what's happening inside? If not, today's the day we need to all do that. Let's look at verses 23 and 24 as we get ready to close here in just a minute. Now this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit that he has given us. So not only are we set apart by the spirit and not only does selfless love welcome the searching of the spirit, the third thing is that selfless love is supplied by the spirit. It's supplied by the Spirit. So when we have the Holy Spirit, we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and we, and we give our hearts to Him. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. And not only does this assure us of eternity in heaven, but it also assures us of the ability to trust His ways when they seem illogical to us. We don't have to cower in fear at the circumstances that we're facing. The love of God is supplied in and through us through the Holy Spirit. We've got to believe that. We've got to choose to accept it as fact. It's not just a, a notion of, yeah, well, God's good. Yeah, I think that. No, it's like, it's like what we would say, two plus two. Everybody in here agree that that's four? No, that's fact. We all agree on that. That's how we believe. We believe that Jesus is who he said he was as God and man simultaneously. And just like his love shocked the world, we as his followers want to be so radically generous in our love and thoughtfulness towards each other and the world in hopes that those who do not know him will see him and his love for them through us. It is supplied by the Holy Spirit. The love of God doesn't come naturally to us, but we can find it through the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about what this means for us today. The Holy Spirit is the distinguishing factor in how someone loves. So we get to decide, are we going to be folks that love by the power of the Holy Spirit, or are we going to love by our own capacity? I think that's a question we have to wrestle with today. When submitted to the Spirit, the believer can and will love others with a capacity like God's, which means free of conditions, and it is selfless love. So a couple of things for us as we think, well, what is the application of this passage today? Will you choose to let him have your way in you today? It's your choice. Truth is, the Holy Spirit, if he's not inside of you, you can't love like God would call you to. And so this all begins with the relationship with Jesus. And so maybe you're in this room and you need to submit your life to Jesus for the first time. Well, I, want, I want you to know that we support that and we would celebrate with you. We'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe, maybe for you today, you're somebody that goes, you know what, I haven't been doing a whole lot of allowing the Holy Spirit to search my own heart and mind. Maybe you need to ask God to search your heart and mind and reveal the things that don't look like Him. There's something for each of us to do here today. So I want you to uh, close your eyes, bow your heads. Let's, let's think about what is God calling you to do? Are you living a life that is supplied through the Holy Spirit? Are you loving the way that the Holy Spirit would call you to? We're going to sing in just a second. Of course, you get to respond by singing. But I want to encourage you, deep in your heart, do business with God. Don't just go through the motions of the last song and miss what the Lord has for you. 
My prayer for us today is that we would live a life that is not only directed, but it's guided and it is shaped by the Holy Spirit's guidance in each one of our lives. So let me pray for us and then we're going to stand and sing when I ask you to just respond to what the Lord said to you this morning. God, we give you thanks today that you are good. And God, we stand on that. We believe it with all of our heart. We believe that you are who you say you are. And God, this morning, our prayer is that you would help us to be set apart by your Holy Spirit. So for those that maybe need to give their life to you for the first time, I pray that you'd help them to do that today. For everyone in this room, we can all choose to have your Holy Spirit inspect us, to search us. And God, I pray that when we see the things that you reveal, that we'd be willing to act. God, this all comes back to putting aside ourself and living a life that is submitted fully to you. So would you help us to do that today? God, I'm thankful that we don't have to rely on our own strength to love the way you've called us to, but we can rely on your Holy Spirit in us. So I thank you for these, my friends. I pray that you'd unify us as a church and that our community and our city would know the love of Jesus through the things that happen here. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.